This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Barb Stegman, founder of The Seven Virtues. And what I love about beauty is if you look at beauty as a virtue, it's really your power and your dignity. Go back to Michelangelo, the great philosophers, when they did art. Beauty was your power and your dignity. And we teach women that, our sisters, our daughters, ourselves, never hand your beauty over, your power and your dignity. You'll get to a good place, even if you don't agree. A social entrepreneur's journalism roots spawned an unconventional beauty launch in the middle of conflict. And now, a former presidential family is fighting over her perfume. Follow her journey, harnessing purchasing power to lift communities around the world, focusing on the return on love instead of the return on investment, and the importance of keeping your eyes in your own boat rather than on the competition, and ignoring the naysayers. Plus, breaking ground in the clean fragrance space, caring for every aspect of the business from producers to retailers and customers, paving the way for other women in the industry, and evolving an indie brand to break into the larger global market. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business. Covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Well, welcome, Barb. We're so excited to have you here today on Beauty is Your Business. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. Of course. I'm April Franzino here with Abby Wallach. Great to see you both. We're so excited to get to chatting with you, Barb, about your really interesting story um, and how your business was born. It's a little bit non-traditional, and so roll us back in time to how your fragrance brand was born. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, April. It was completely unlikely. I'm not from the beauty background. I was a journalist, and uh, my uh, best friend, my mentor from King's, where we both studied journalism and philosophy, uh, he was serving in the forces, uh, and he was sitting in a peaceful shore in Afghanistan. He was discussing how to bring clean drinking water and health care to the families of the village, and he was brutally attacked with an axe. And uh, he was a miracle, uh, really, to survive the night was um, something we weren't really sure would happen. And he did. And so then we went on a long healing journey. I was blessed that I could visit him three days a week in the hospital. And so while he was in the hospital, I said, you heal, I got this, right? Because that's what you would do for your best friend. And then I realized, I don't got this. I'm not a brave soldier. I'm not a world leader. I thought, I have no way to touch peace. And then I thought, wait a second, women own the voting power. If we held hands tomorrow, entire governments would rise and fall at our collective vote, which we just witnessed. And we own the buying power. 80% of household decisions are made by women. So I thought, why are we living in this broken cycle? We really need to flex our buying power. So I wrote a book. Actually, that's how it all began. I wrote The Seven Virtues of a Philosopher Queen. I took all the stoic wisdom of Churchill and Aurelius and all the boys that maybe our moms didn't talk to us about. Uh, they talked to, My mom taught me lots of wonderful things, but I didn't learn a lot of those tools that men have used through war and strife. So uh, then I read about this man, Abdullah, in Afghanistan, and he was growing the legal orange blossom and rose to get the farmers off the illegal poppy crop. And the same people that attacked my best friend were knocking over his distillery. And I thought, that's it. I flew to Ottawa. I met with the equivalent of USAID, the Canadian version. I said, help me find Abdullah. I bought what little oil he had on my visa card, and we launched on International Women's Day. And 
that's really how it all began. It was probably the most unconventional uh, way to launch a beauty brand on the planet. But I mean, I tease and say if Abdullah had been selling saffron, I'd be the spice lady, not the perfume lady, because they call me the perfume lady here. Um, but, uh, you know, you do what you've got to do in life because your hands are never tied and things are going to be thrown at you. So take it as a gift and find the beauty and the suffering. I, I really feel firmly on that. Instead of why me, poor me, what happened? We go, okay was brought to us. Let's let's do something with this. Barb, that is such a fascinating story. So you used your journalism instincts to find Abdullah. Exactly. I would say the journalism background uh, is the foundation of being a social entrepreneur fully. Mm. Uh, I, I think every journalist out there could easily, if they wanted to shift or change in their lives, could uh, create something meaningful and purposeful uh, and go change the world with it. And you don't have to know everything. Even Chanel and Estee Lauder didn't design their own perfumes. You just need a mm. chemist. Tell us a little bit about what what is a social entrepreneur, to what it means to you and what it means, especially for our world today. You know, the world has changed dramatically and you're leading this charge in a way that you know, speaks to us and millions of women out there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the Wild West, really, still. Well, when we launched, there was no word for it. So the banks wouldn't give me a loan. You know, you want to buy oils from farmers in Afghanistan? You know, really, it was just so bizarre. And uh, and then Haiti and Rwanda and all the countries that have asked us since, and, and we, you know, go wherever we're asked. But, um, you know, for me, as social enterprises, it's in the DNA. It's the why it's not the halo after. So it's a person who, a social entrepreneur is a person who saw something in the world that wasn't working and realized there was a gap and said to themselves, well, I'm going to do all the learning to get in there and make the change and be all right with it not being perfect overnight and 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 be all right with knowing that anytime we want to make change in the world, it, it, it means being okay with the long game and uh, really... Uh, that was really uh, my definition of a social entrepreneur. And I think from there, you know, we use different language. So instead of the ROI, the return on investment, we use the term ROL, the return on love. And I'm always conscious of, you know, my purchases and how they empower little girls in Afghanistan to not become opium brides. You know, we interviewed uh, Fariba Nawa, who wrote Opium Nation for our documentary Perfume War, and really learned there that when a farmer can buy, uh, earns uh, an income on legal crops like orange blossom, rose, saffron, pomegranate, you name it, instead of the illegal poppy, then his daughters will not be taken as opium brides by the uh, drug lords. So you start to really see that the old broken model of, of expecting our military and government to do all the heavy lifting is really unfair and unrealistic. Where are we as citizens uh, to do some of the heavy lifting? And that's where I believe social entrepreneurship becomes really exciting. I think people can lose their way when they get consumed by the ROI and the return on investment, I don't even think about it. We don't even use that word uh, in, inside our team. It's always the ROL, the return on love. And the, the ROI will always follow. It, it might not be right away, but hey, I'm on a journey. I'm not here for any kind of, you know, what's your exit strategy? Not at all. That kind of language doesn't work for me. We're here to make change, meaningful change. And uh, I think that's that will probably... Uh, be something that people who are social entrepreneurs or thinking about it will connect with and not to be afraid. Like I said before, you don't have to know everything. You obviously don't have to go to law school to be a lawyer to do your trademarking. You hire one. You don't have to go and become a bookkeeper and take an accounting degree. You hire a bookkeeper. You want to go make lipstick, perfume, I don't care what it is. 
you go hire chemists to work with you to design, but you have the vision, you have the overarching vision, you lead and direct that. And from there, you go find the talent, the best talent on the planet to be excellent. And you figure it out. And it's kind of fun. I don't like this whole idea of the old broken model of constantly looking at you know, our dollars and our wins. It's like, no, what do, how do we make a difference? You could die tomorrow. I could be gone tomorrow. Can you imagine if my last day on this earth was all consumed with numbers and competition? We have one little thing Captain Green and I did. We rowed together at King's and we were taught eyes in the boat. And when you row, you, you literally have to watch the back of the person in front of you when you're rowing and you move together in unison and you can feel the boat do this kind of surge when you're all one. And, and when you're in heats and you're competing, if you look outside the boat, it will psych you out and you won't win. So I, I follow my eyes in the boat always. I don't look at what any one of my business is doing. I look at what I'm doing. And I really think that's what a social entrepreneur does. That's very powerful. And that is very well said and inspirational, really. I love that. Return on love. I wish more people thought like you. Well, we're in a moment where the world does need love and a lot of it. So maybe more people, when they hear this podcast, will take your inspiration and start to think a little bit more like that. But my question is, you know, so you had this vision, this path this journey, which sounds wonderful, very compelling, um, you still did have to figure out how you would fund and move to market. So with that thought, how were you able to get yourself into business and move forward? Yeah, well, it was 2010. And, uh, you know, we the banks wouldn't give me a loan. I had a perfect credit rating. We find this a lot with women. Perfect credit rating. Uh, I owned my own house. And they would not, I didn't fit the cookie cutter. And so I put it on my Visa card. I believed in it that firmly. I'd already seen the success from the book. The book broke even uh, a $8,000 investment in the book, which is, you know, the thesis of the, the fragrance. Uh, that was one weekend. So I knew if I could break even in one week, uh, weekend that I could do well with perfume. So I had the confidence, but I still didn't know. I mean, it wasn't a proven model, but I had, I had an experience with it. So then I, I, I invested, I think it was almost $20,000 to design the one perfume and launch it with like a thousand bottles. It wasn't many. Um, launched it on International Women's Day. And what a blessing. Gathered all my friends. I was a journalist, obviously. And uh, we were on the front page of the Globe and Mail, which is our national newspaper, third page Toronto Star. And we couldn't keep it in the two little boutiques I had launched it in Toronto and uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. And then, of course, that's still not enough. How are you going to get into the big stores, right? You need big investment. So <laughs> I went on Dragon's Den, which is like the US version of Shark Tank. So the show was here in Britain first, then Canada uh, copied the franchise. And then, so, you know, Kevin O'Leary and Robert Herchkovic, who were on Shark Tank, they were on our show. And so I had to face off with Kevin O'Leary. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, he didn't get the idea, but that's all right. Um, I, I didn't need him. All I needed was one person. You know, uh, I, I always think people focus on the one who didn't like it. Who cares? Who, who cares if someone doesn't like it? Focus on the one who liked it. So three dragons were in. They cried. I became the first woman from Atlantic Canada to land a deal on a Dragon's Den. And I'm from the poorest region of the country. So it gave my sisters confidence. And that's why we walk through the things we walk through through uh, so that, that others can go, hey, 
she could do it. I can do it. Yeah, of course. And so that's how I got the investment that I needed. Uh, my investor, Brett Wilson, is a great mentor. And of course, he. Uh, I went with one of them. And they all stayed friends. Uh, I made the tough decision because I wasn't looking for just investment. I wanted a mentor. Uh, and I got that. And uh, and he got a sweet deal, i got to say. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Great, great story. Okay. That's amazing. And tell us a little bit more, Barb, about how the brand has evolved. I know there have been a lot of changes since the first um, seeds, I guess, um, were planted. Yeah, I know that. I mean, imagine I launched it in my garage. I had no budget. I had the ugliest packaging. I mean, shameful, completely humiliating and embarrassing, you know, but some of the department stores took me. Isn't that something? Must have felt sorry for me. And, and, uh, you know, and we went along, coasted along, but I designed it for my generation and older. So I'm Gen X. So it was designed for Gen X and Boomer and it was in, you know, department stores. And all of a sudden around 2016, things started shifting. My millennial son and my Gen Z daughter were now becoming the buying power. And I realized that what I had created was never going to survive. And all those farmers that are counting on me was never going to make it. We were surviving, not thriving. And I watched the transition. And whenever I don't know what to do in life, I volunteer. I get out of my way. You know, you're not that important, right? Because we always think when something's not working, oh, poor me. And that's the last way to get your answers. So I went to Haiti. I'd been there many times to meet with our suppliers. Uh, And I went there after Hurricane Matthew and I was teaching uh, female startups marketing. And while I was there, I got an email from Sephora Canada. I was so excited. Oh my God, I blew I it out to all my girlfriends and one of my girlfriends, uh, Eve Carr, who owns uh, Creole Essence um, uh, Haitian uh, Oil and has a cooperative in Haiti. She told me about this program. She said, you know, there's this Accelerate program Sephora has, and they basically realized that less than 4% of the CEOs uh, of beauty companies are women. And they basically, in my words, beauty idol you. And so I was like, yes, that's what I need to do. So when I met with my merchants in Canada, I said, I'm not giving you my perfumes. And, and the way I remember it is, you know, me sort of knocking all the perfumes off the table going, these aren't good enough. That's not quite how it happened, but, you know, you embellish it in your memories. And uh, it would have been cool if I had done that. But I said, um, no, no, I need to get in this program and I need to create a dynamic brand for you with the right packaging, uh, redo the sense so that my, my, my Gen Z daughter would love them because at the time she did not like my perfumes and that bothered me as a litmus test because I trust her with everything. And so then uh, uh, I said, you know, I, I need to get in the program. So they, they watched the trailer to our documentary Perfume War, which won audience choice all across the U.S. and Canada. I'm happy to give you the link if you want to give it to your listeners. Uh, and, and they said, you know, we love you, but we want to make sure of one thing. They said, we need to make sure that you're not attached to your old ideas. You've been around a bit longer than the other companies. And that was a great challenge. And so I went back to my perfumer in London. I said, what if we created all new scents? And I mean, sometimes 35 versions to get to the right scent. And she goes, let's do it. And we did. I got in the program, got the greatest mentor, Will Chung, and the whole team just really helped me get the confidence to go and get a branding agency. We hired the uh, Concrete and they did Bite Beauty, Blender, like so so they had done other Sephora brands. And then we, uh, the Sephora team really invested because we became a family. And so our merchants, both Canada and U.S., uh, would help us design each scent. So our, our, our number one most popular scent, Vanilla Woods, uh, its, first, uh, its first version was disgusting. 
disgusting. And the top fragrance buyer smelled it. And she was like, oh my God, what is this? And I was like, oh, this is not the best first impression. And so, you know, back and forth, back and forth. That one was 25 versions and uh, we got it to excellent. And, you know, they're adorable because they'll say to me, you know, Barb, you're really good with feedback. It's really quite impressive. And I don't look at it that way. I look at it like I could never afford this level of wisdom. I could never afford consultants with this level of wisdom. And you're generous enough to give me your time. For, and so when they say jump, I go, how high? And I feel like that's kind of our winning formula, not just the formulations, but the process and the way they invest in me. And so for that, I'm loyal to my best friend and his mission, and I'm loyal to Sephora. We're exclusive, and uh, that's very important to me. We've turned down quite a few uh, stores, and um, very respectfully, but they were the ones that saved me, um, and I'm forever grateful. You know, I think it's really interesting that you're sharing that because, and you're so open to that, because most entrepreneurs, you know, they're very focused on their mission and their vision, and I think things are changing in that world in that way because these stores like the Sephora's and the um, Ulta's they know what their customer wants they have the data and data is the key and that gives you exactly the direction that you need to go in so you are really savvy Barb in, in listening to that and I think that's a really good lesson for people for our audience who are just starting out to really listen um to what the experts have to say if you want to play in their world because they'll guide you. You know, it's a part, everything's a partnership today. You really need that well said. partnership, I think. Abby, and you know, so many people don't see that. I've witnessed people that were still attached to their old ideas. So they gave me that beautiful challenge and they were clear. And I remember just saying, okay, I'll adhere to this, even if sometimes it was uncomfortable. Uh, and I watched people getting attached to their artwork, to their design team, and they mm. wouldn't let go. And, uh, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. Uh, you can't you can't tell someone when they're too attached to their ideas to mm. let go. That's, that's up to them. Well, I think also it's the creatives, right? Creative people have a affinity and, and it is, for... It is, and I think it's also the ego. I think we do have to get rid of our egos uh, in this industry fully. And I mean, 110%. We might think we have, but we really have to, to be successful. You should be speaking on a very broad platform. <laughs> so well, that. I, I do have two agents that book me. So if anyone wants me, I'm yours. Oh, I love that. That's terrific. Well, That's no, amazing. you know, it, it's interesting. It's all about psychology, right? And, and in order to achieve success and to make a difference, sometimes you have to put yourself aside and listen. It's so true. Right? And on that note, we'll take a little break. And coming up, we'll hear Barb talk more about launching big into retail and the challenges and opportunities that come with that. If you run a brick and mortar store, guess what? You have a problem. Retail storefronts can't drive immediate conversion. And you can only have so many shoppers inside safely. Any hours you're closed, you can't make sales there. And if you make product, your product packaging is static by nature. It can't be continuously updated, which limits the consumer experience. The next time your customer might interface with you is probably when they need to buy something else sometime in the future. Even more importantly, retail storefronts and product packages both lack a human connection. Are you able to tell the same stories in your own voice to your customers like you used to in the past? Social distancing, 
the move to commerce, or you've just grown beyond that opportunity, you need to take a look at StoryDot. Engaging the customer throughout their journey from store to website to product packaging, StoryDot supports a quick, contact-free, physical-to-digital transition, letting you tell your story to the customer and enable them to take action and motivate them to share that story on social media. No matter where that customer is, they can hear the exact story you need them to hear. And that can convert into sales and elevate their experience and turn them into your marketers when they share on social media. And key user data is generated providing more mapping of the relationship with customers. You need to see StoryDot in action and explore how StoryDot can connect the dots between you and customers. So visit www.storydot.com. That's www.storidot.com. Loving your journey so far and, and really exploring um, the path that you've been on. It's, it's really impressive and very inspiring. Can you tell us a little bit about the technical aspects of the development process of these very beautiful oils that you've created and how, when you're working with your experts in other countries. How, how, give us your process. Tell us how you move through the world, how it connects back to your retailer um, from your point of view, because it's a very important piece to learn about That's for right. our, our listeners. That's right. That's right. So when I began the first original 1000 bottles, uh, I had a, a lady write me, a green blogger. Her son had had cancer and she was very concerned about ingredients and products. And she really educated me. She wanted to know if there were phthalates or parabens or sulfates and all those things that uh, can cause concerns or harms. So uh, I went back to my chemist and our perfumer and said, you know, we don't have these awful things, do we? Because I Googled them and I was like, these are terrible things. And we didn't have, most of them weren't in our original line, except there was like a 0.0 something percent of phthalates that were naturally from plastics in the natural greenery garden of some of the essential oils. And I said, oh, so that came from a natural space. Okay, that's kind of gross. And uh, so I said, bottom line is I don't want them at all. I don't care who you have to buy from but we're not uh, going to use any kind of phthalates, parabens, sulfates, and then obviously formaldehyde, UV inhibitors. I don't care, uh, not going in there. Because if I'm going to help farmers, these women earning three times the income in Rwanda who survived the genocide, God bless them, I'm certainly not going to harm your skin, your largest organ. And so we were green before it was cool. Again, we didn't have a word for that either. Um, and 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 so that was really the the impetus for me to make sure that the product was really, really clean. And then, you know, you fast forward, you learn a bit more. So the Sephora Accelerate program, actually having the bandwidth and the and the um, mentorship to really process how do you make a nice, clean scent, I realized, you know, the challenge with, uh, you know, a, a scent that doesn't have those harmful things uh, is that they don't last. Because, of course, phthalates adhere to your skin and they make your scent last. So how are you going to make a nice scent that doesn't contain those harmful chemicals last? Well, I realized two things. One, an eau de parfum is 10 to 15% fragrance oils. I said, why don't we double it? 
Vetiver from Haiti is a natural fixative. Vanilla from Madagascar that April loves that you will have soon, Abby. Um, that, that's a natural fixative. So is rose. So let's double the fragrance oils. Well, of course, that's expensive when you're buying oils from Nations Rebuilding and then the other supporting elements. But that's OK, uh, because it's, it's really, as a social entrepreneur, about making sure that your product is excellent. This should be a perfume that you want to wear no matter what, not just because it's got a compelling story. So our perfume oils are 22 to 30 percent, uh, of course adhering to all the EU standards uh, because our chemists are in London, England, which is great. So they know all those standards that you have to adhere to. It's kind of the Wild West in Canada and the US. So you really want to make sure that you're following EU standards. We don't have those standards here. So that's been a, a blessing right from the start. Um, and then I thought, why are we putting these beautiful organic fair trade essential oils into regular alcohol? Why aren't we using organic sugarcane alcohol? And my, my chemist and my co-packer said, well, it's more expensive. We've never done it. I said, well, we're going to do it. So we did it. And really, the result is, you know, when you spray perfume on a blotter and you got to sort of wave it around and get the alcohol off? That doesn't happen with my sense. And it's like my personality. I want to be your friend right away. I don't want you to wait. So I want you to get to know that scent right away. Sure, it's more expensive. And you know what? Our perfumes are the second lowest price point in the clean space. Uh, and that's because I don't want the vegan woman to give up her lunch money for my rollerball because she would. And that's not OK. So in my mind, the process is all about that everyone does all right. I was raised by a single mom on welfare. I have more than I've ever wanted in my entire life. I don't need more. So I don't, I don't even draw a salary from the perfume company because I live off my books. But, you know, I will be getting dividends one day. But, but the point is that really it's about ensuring that we care about the farmers our suppliers, Sephora, and the client. And all along the way, we have to be mindful. So back to formulation. When you're designing your formulation and someone tells you it's too expensive or they tell you that it's, it's never been done before, I want you to go back into your mind and think about everyone counting on you, everyone right to the, on her dresser or his dresser or their dresser, and think about what you're creating. And I don't care what it costs as long as you all do all right. And don't get caught up with the ROI. You shut that down. You don't invite that to your board. And so with that, don't worry. There are guaranteed principles to this that you can't fail. This is wisdom that's 2,400 years old. Follow your ethics, your characters, your destiny. So it all ties into your formulation. And I feel that's why at the end, people love what we're doing because it's so real on so many levels, even though they don't know that in the store. They don't know that when they pick up the box. That's okay. They feel it. They feel it. So when you're formulating, I want you to think about all those elements in the bigger picture, uh, especially in the natural space. Are you really, without those uh, chemicals, you're going to have to bump up to the permissible limits of the EU standards, the kind of formulation that can compete toe-to-toe -to -toe with a brand filled with phthalates, parabens, formaldehyde, and UV inhibitors. And it can. And that was, I would, th I would say that's the one big thing we did, and we cracked the code on how to make a scent without those chemicals. But it costs more, and it's worth it. It's not, Barbara, you know, let me ask you a question yeah. about that. So that's very interesting. Um, I don't know if you know, but I actually am in the fragrance business also. Oh, so you know all so, about it, girl. I do. So very, very impressive. And um, I wasn't always, but I have been for the past few years. But the reason why I asked that, all of those ingredients, now there are no-no lists that you have to abide by today in the world. So... Do you find that there are still a lot of perfume companies out there that are still using those ingredients because they're not really allowed to? And around the globe, 
you know, in order to sell or make product in Europe and Asia and wherever you are, there are all of these rules and regulations. So how are, how are companies getting around that? Well, I mean, I think I, you know, in Canada and the U.S., you don't have to adhere to them. Not quite like, uh, no, no, and that's unfortunate. We should. I adhere to them because that's where we started with our chemists in London. So we were fortunate that we were taught that from the very start, and we philosophically aligned with that anyway. Um, I think that uh, you can get away with anything. You can put on your packaging fragrance, alcohol. And I think you can put just about that on your box if you want. But what you're supposed to do in the EU, which we already do, is you put what are called potential allergens. Um, uh, they're called ingredients, but it's anything that someone could potentially be allergic to so they know what's in the package. And that's really helpful. Uh, a woman once wrote me and wanted to know if there was limaline in one of our fragrances. And we were able to immediately go, oh, yeah, no, you're good. And it felt good to be able to do that. And so when you see a package with a fragrance and it just has fragrance and alcohol, you know, that's that's not a good thing. But you can get away with it in the U.S. and Canada. You can't get away with it in the EU. Um, no one should. Uh, but you know, if the standards aren't there, what are you going to do, right? I mean, it's up to the consumer to be educated. I think the consumer is more educated now. I think they're exercising with their wallets saying, I want to know what's in this. I want to know what's not in this. The two, Right. Well, it's true. It's like people like April, who does what she does so beautifully and well, reporting and uncovering, right, the, the reality of, of product every day. I mean, there's no one better than April and, and good housekeeping. Well, no, it's true. It's a very important piece because the world is so different today and there's so much misinformation. It's but so the consumer is pretty savvy. They're pretty in the know. I, Barbara, I love that you follow your principles. I think it's very powerful that you follow where you began with this book. Yeah. You know, women have read that book and launched companies, ended bullying, gone uh, run all the way to Senate. And it's the first book ever sold in Sephora. And it sold out. It was supposed to be there for Christmas in a package with our vanilla woods that April loves that you're going to love, Abby. Uh, and uh, it sold out before they could blast one email in early November. So they've quadrupled the order for Mother's Day. And I'm just thrilled because, you know, when, when I meet beauty advisors on the floor and I give them my book and we're, we're training and they're jumping up and down or they're hugging me or they're crying or they say, I've never met a CEO or I've never met an author or I'm in poli sci, I want to do a story on this. I am thrilled that we are lifting women up and going to where they are and where else than the beauty counter because that is where we go. It's, it's so true. Tell us a little bit, speaking of the beauty counter, Barb, about what it was like and your journey launching in Sephora, which obviously was a big transition, I'm sure, from where you began. So tell, tell us about the challenges and also the you know, amazing opportunities which you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it was very expensive to launch this new line. You're taking seven perfumes. Now we have nine. But back then, uh, you know, you're taking seven perfumes and, and recreating them every single formulation, and then investing in all the beautiful packaging. We have an artist from Colombia who does all the beautiful artwork. So you can literally see that, you know, the, the fragrances are the thesis rising up out of the book. And so, you know, the idea is this is one example of this wisdom. And the stronger you are, the stronger I am. So, you know, it was very expensive. You know, I had to take a lot of bank loans. Some of them were high interest, and we're still paying those. Um, that's tough. I'm not going to lie. That's a hard go. But, hey, how badly do you want it? And, you know, uh, then, of course, we um, don't have the same 
a team that a lot of other big brands with big budgets have. It's all really word of mouth of my family. My son works with me. My husband works with me. We have several consultants that are like family with us that have been with us from the beginning. And, you know, the Sephora team, that's really the wisdom where I feel like they are our team uh, guiding us. And, um, you know, so it's been a very enjoyable experience. They are uh, really, really hardworking, keen people who are really talented and they expect a lot of you. And I'm a really good mentee. When someone says to me, you know, I expect this from you. I'm like, let's go team. And the whole team makes sure it's delivered. And we're that kind of group. And that bodes well, you know, it, there's no resistance. We go fabulous. Let's do it. That's so exciting. And then there's so many opportunities, you know, what we're, I'm doing one of those, um, it's a live event, uh, February 12th, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on setting your intentions. And, and it's Valentine's with a twist. Um, it's self-love. You know, we get the February blues sometimes, you know, right now, probably worse than ever. And I think about people and we're launching our perfume oils uh, in, intentionally as a tool to set your intentions. So it's more than a product. It's about creating rituals and making sure that people get to where they need to go. And um, that's really been something supportive. Sephora supported me in, and they do Instagram lives with us with their 20 million followers. My God, you know, it, it, that's tremendous. And when they want a story, we go and film that story and get that to them. We're like so excited. Uh, and now what's wild is Artemis Patrick has been such a huge champion of, of ours. You know, whenever they'd have a conference and she would share our story, my phone would blow up because everyone from Sephora would be like, Artemis is talking about you. Now she's, you know, global director. So I reached out to her. I said, you know, we'd love to launch in Europe. And, and all of a sudden now we're launching in Sephora, France. I mean, Europe buys three times the perfumes of North America. We're launching in 13 countries and France loves activism. So they're all excited about make perfume, not war. And I just feel like I'm with the right family. Uh, I really feel like it's been such a blessing. And I think a lot of people would say the same thing, that experience. If you're willing to invest, Sephora is the place, and they they value Jean Andre values you know two things, uh, exclusivity is valued, and and so is differentiation, and, and and for anyone who's starting up, you you're invited by many people to go into boutiques and all kinds of places. Look, if you can manage that, great. I love one place. All the purchase orders go there. The minute you start dealing with, and we get boutiques writing us every week. Now you've got the admin. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? So you got to think about your purchase orders when they're buying from you and where your admin is. And that's going to be really important for people with their brands. You're going to be invited to go to a lot of places. And, you know, it was a, I'm reading um, the book by uh, Leonard Lauder on his mom, on, on Estee Lauder. And uh, uh, one of the things I read is that uh, she would not go below her level, her standard. So she would go into a, a, a level of a department store and she would not go below that. And I've always been that way. I'd be refusing things, staying at my level. And when I read that, I could have cried because I felt like my instincts were bang on, you know. So these are the things you've got to read what's going on out there, work with the partner that you have and trust your instincts. And right, I think all of those things work really well together. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking Sephora is such a phenomenal partner, and that's so exciting. Congratulations um, on so many levels. So, you know, now that the world has changed, fragrance is 
a very hot topic. People are really embracing new fragrances and experiencing them because they're home and they want to feel good and smell good, and which is a really great time for your brand and your business. But once the world starts to come back, actually, I was in Sephora the other day running around because I, I missed so it so fun. much. I needed I to get my picks, right? Yeah. I mean, it's great to get product at the house, right, April? But it's still nice to go into Sephora. So I, I question, as we start to get back into the world, how do you envision testing product in store? Because that is, has always been a challenge. You know, the rollerball has been hot for years. How do you envision this? There must be some radical change happening in the store because of COVID. Yeah, I think you're going you're gonna to receive the blotter from the beauty advisor who will probably be the person handling the, the bottle. Um, you know, they do an intensive cleaning, of course, obviously, daily. Uh, and I think because so much buying has left bricks and mortar and gone to online, sampling. As long as you're sampling and getting samples out to people, I think you're going to see that as one of the best ways for people to really... Uh, you know, I think for me, most times I sample something, I pretty much buy it because, <laughs> you know, you know, it's really interesting. So you want to try it and we can get those samples at home or in the store if they uh, give it to us. Uh, and, and so the, there'll be probably be more interaction, uh, I think. And I don't think that's a bad thing because um, it is good to talk to uh, an expert on what you're looking for. And they're so helpful and so educated. The training program in Sephora is brilliant. The, everyone is so trained and they know what they're talking about. So it, it's kind of best to be talking to someone when you're playing with things, you know, and that way you keep it clean and uh, sterile. And of course, uh, you may not know this or maybe you do know this, but a perfume is technically a hand sanitizer because it's 70% alcohol. I would never say, please go buy, you know, a $70 bottle of hand sanitizer. But in a pinch, perfume is a hand sanitizer. So, you know, step right up. <laughs> It's interesting what you said about the um, about the sampling because in letters, Leonard Lauder's interview with Linda Levy from the Fragrance Foundation, his whole one of the big takeaways was that when they start when his mom started, it was all about sampling. I guess they spent their first thirty to fifty thousand dollars on just giving it away. Wow, give it away. And Get that's people, hard because fragrance is hard. Yeah, that's a tough. I was kicking and screaming. No, no, no. Sephora was like, "You've got to," and I was like, oh, "I can't." And it's it was tough as an entrepreneur. Tough. Best thing we ever did. Best thing we Best. ever did. And now I'm all about, hey, we got some more samples. Want some samples? <laughs> well, for Europe, they, they said they wanted 10,000 samples. I'm like, I got 100,000. Let's go. You know, I'm, I've become the sample queen because you're I right. I love it. The Estee Lauder and Leonard Lauder, they knew. They knew. And Sephora is very clear. You got a sample and it will work. So, so true. Some methods are tried and true for a reason. Yep. <laughs> they cost money, but you got you to gotta spend money to make money, as the old saying goes, and yep. you really do. It works. So before we get into our next segment, tell us a little bit, Barb, about how you've had to pivot the business, if at all, during the pandemic and the past year, which has been challenging for most of us and many businesses. You know, as soon as the pandemic happened, you know, 600 stores closed. Uh, I can't cross the border, not even within my own country. I can't come to the U.S. to train. I can't do events. And you sort of immediately go, oh, my God. And those loans with those high interests because you've spent way more than you should have. And, and we just calmly 
looked at it and said, well, let's build a studio. So we built this virtual studio um, and state of the art. I'm surrounded by foam for sound. And uh, it's become such an, and it was expensive, but it was worth it. And so immediately with Sephora, you know, where normally we would go train 12 people in one store, six in another, five in another, and then we'd go to another city uh, and we do it ourselves all us, my son and I, and, uh, we love it. We have a, he has a five-star love score because they love him. He's like Christopher Robin meets James Dean and, uh, adorable. Um, so instead we said, well, why don't we do a virtual, uh, training? And we did a whole virtual training on setting your intentions. That was 20 minutes and reached 700 people, 700 beauty advisors at once. Then we did the same thing in Canada and we did a live zoom and it was so adorable. We were in the chat with everybody and we reached 600 people at once in one hour. And I said, you know what? I, w- I want to keep this. And now we produce all of our training videos and all those videos go out with gratis, which is uh, rollerballs to uh, all of the beauty advisors. And so we've become more efficient. Uh, I really feel like, and I hope a lot of businesses have seen this, that you can use the virtual approach to reach more people and communicate your story. And then you're cutting, you're, you're cutting the fat. So all the travel expenses that saves so much money monthly now. Of course, we can't wait to get back to to jumping on a plane and seeing people. I'm very excited for for when we're all vaccinated and we can. But in the meantime, uh, really, my biggest piece of advice, and it was the best thing we did, was invest in a serious studio so that you can, from home, uh, do anything. The minute Sephora wants a video uh, for training or for an event... We produce it. And when they come back with the edits, we edit it in-house. And I really feel that's been uh, one of our differentiators as a vendor, being able to produce anything without having to go back to a branding agency to call. And the cost, you keep them down because I'm a journalist. I write the scripts. Victor does the editing. He's had a camera attached to his hip since he was 13. And, you know, anyone who has any kind of millennial or Gen Z near them, they know tech. So it, it's not that hard. You can, you, can, you can really use someone inside your house. Uh, even my daughter today setting this up on Chrome and my son was out taking care of my father. Uh, my daughter knew exactly how to set this up where I would go into panic mode. Um, so, you know, so I think that that's pivoting virtually uh, with the tech was the most important thing we did. Same thing with Paris. You know, it gave me the confidence to reach out to Sephora France. I wouldn't have because, oh my God, boots on the ground. We all got to go there. How are we going to do this? Because we realized we are, our, our online sales went up 88% over last year. Our bricks and mortar are 32% up over last year. Uh, we, and I, I credit, you know, obviously Sephora's Omni channels, but also our virtual pivot. Um, I looked at France and went, I don't need to be there. Let's go. And we've had all of our calls with our merchants virtually, and then we work with the embassies. So I'm working with the Canadian embassy, and you can in the U.S. too. You call your trade commissioner, your ambassadors, and they will work with you. So they're going to host a big event at the embassy in France for our launch when we go into stores, and we'll go to each country through our embassies, and they're there to serve you. You pay for them with your taxpayer dollars. And so reaching out to your trade commissioners, whatever the term is for the U.S., uh, they are there and hired by you as a taxpayer in the U.S. to help you expand. And they can get you in front of uh, uh, decision makers. Uh, so uh, really just a great, you don't feel alone when you're going global. And here we are doing it virtually, haven't met any of them in person, uh, and launching June 2nd. So Wow. Yeah, it's possible. That's a valuable piece of advice and lesson to have taken away from this. Because you could do all the training videos and get them out to the team 
and and you know they've all watched our movie and have our book and of course the activism of Europe is fantastic so they're all like yes make perfume no war let's go which of course we've embossed in the caps Aww. of our perfume bottles right yeah we trademarked it you know you're a journalist Barb when you can put together things like that. <laughs> I well, love it's true, it. right? I really do believe journalists are the ones that can make any kind of social enterprise because we're socially conscious too. We like to dig in and find out what's going on, uh, and we make sure that the story's correct and that the editing and the, everything's done right. And it's not much of a stretch for a journalist to become a founder of a social enterprise or a beauty brand. And you know mind. the power of words, so. And all your connections. <laughs> so then right. all your connections, then go tell the world what you've created. And uh, it's basically a slam dunk. So coming up, you'll hear more about the personal side of Barb with a round of what we call hitting the pan right after this. Every business has at least one big pivotal moment. The moment when you say, okay, we're at this turning point, so then what? I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor. I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What? As we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. And now it's Hitting the Pan. Okay, Barb, it's time for Hitting the Pan when we get to the deeper layers of who you are. To determine the order of who asked the questions, as usual, we give the proverbial salon chair a spin to see who it lands on. So let's spin the chair. And the first question goes to Abby. Okay, so I have a lot of questions, but I think the one thing that I really want to know from you is what when you go to these countries to source your oils, tell us a story about somebody that you've met that has impacted your life. Yeah. You know, that's a great question, Abby. All these questions are beautiful. I, it's kind of a roundabout story, but I was in Haiti on a trade mission and I met a woman who told me about Same Sky Jewelry, uh, you know, Same Sky. And, and I got to meet I know the Francine. founder. Yeah, I love her. Yes, so she's amazing. I love that's her. Okay. I was going to tell you, you needed to meet yeah, her. We that met, was on my she gave me uh, this beautiful white bracelet that I wear uh, uh, all the time. All Brilliant. My yeah. And I love it. I love the story so much. I wanted to meet the woman who made it. And, mm. and then, you know, at the time we were in Europe with our first brand, just kind of in little boutiques in the very first, uh, brand. And I did an event at the Afghan embassy and, uh, all the journalists came up, uh, Christina Lamb, who co-wrote I Am Malala with Malala, who's a, a journalist who's, you know, war journalist who loves perfume. So, so we're there. And then, and then they, they told the Rwandan embassy about me and then they came by to visit me. And that was it. I said, I've got to meet the women who make this bracelet. And do you have oils? And they said, do we have oils? So this man, Nicholas Hitamana, uh, who saved his wife during the genocide, uh, Elsie, uh, he grows patchouli. 
And I thought, okay, let's go. So we landed in Rwanda on International Women's Day, first female majority government in the world, and they're passing laws to make sure they never have a genocide again. It's the safest, fastest growing, least corrupt country in Africa because it has diversity at the table. And so we talk about it, but they've shown it. And so we're there and we meet all of our beautiful farmers who survived um, the genocide, adult orphans, uh, you know, and, um, and I asked if we could go meet the lady who made my bracelet. And so we sat together, uh, you'll see her in the movie, uh, and she told me her story. Uh, she and her husband hid, I mean, almost a million people were killed in a hundred days. It was just, you can't imagine husbands turned on wives and she and her husband hid and they found them and she had just given birth to their new baby and they killed her husband. They killed her 12 year old. They raped her, gave her HIV. They left the baby to die. And she gathered up the children and they formed a Vega, which is the uh, group that um, Same Sky purchases from, and created this, 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 this cooperative so that women would create jewelry. And they, when I met her, she was, we were both crying. I told her, I said, look, your family lives on in all of us because you inspired me to come here and buy and you're going to, how many women are then going to spray that perfume and be inspired to go and come and buy and change your life together? That's you. I said, that's your family. It lives on. It wasn't in vain. And that's very important to me. And uh, it was very spiritual to be there. Uh, and, you know, they say God visits other places during the day, but he always comes home to sleep in Rwanda. And it's true. You can feel it. And it, it was really extraordinary. And uh, while they were, while I was there, it was the anniversary of the genocide. And they were making beaded uh, badges for the government. Uh, and just watching these women rebuild their lives. And it was 20 years after uh, she had gotten HIV. And there she was healthy with her antiviral drugs from the purchases of the Same Sky Bracelets and, and uh, same with our farmers. And, you know, all of that cross-pollination, if I hadn't heard about uh, Same Sky in Haiti on that trade mission, I wouldn't have known to go seek out Rwanda. So there, that is where the power of a social enterprise can go and ignite someone else to go and make change. And I think that's really where we, we really change the world. And then one day uh, we won't be interesting. That's my goal, right? The whole world will be this way, you know? It's so I true. Hope so. Me too. That is yeah, so powerful. Well, your show, I'm, I'm sure we're, I'm sure there's like firecrackers going off in people's they brains. Are, going, right in my this, head, I my brain is exploding. Yay. Oh my God. Listen, so did you meet, you met Francine, right? Have you yeah, met? Yeah, I met Francine in New York and she gave me, I brought her a bunch of perfume and she gave Wonderful. me the, the bracelet and I, and every talk I give, and you'll see it even in the trailer on Perfume War, she's making a Same Sky bracelet. I, uh, I tell everyone in the audience, go to Same Sky and, and get your bracelet. And, uh, and you know, her background, she, is a filmmaker. Yeah, she like Tony Award-winning girl. Yeah, She's amazing. Such a personality. I love oh, her. Oh yes, and I feel very oh, blessed. This is the thing, mm. you know. I live in rural Nova Scotia, and I get to meet all these big personalities who are changing the world, and I get to be a part of that. And it's it's just such a wild trip. And so it doesn't matter where we live, or what our resources are. We can always sign up. And the, the Haiti trip was through President Clinton and um, Secretary Clinton. So I got to meet them both. And it was funny because President Clinton said to me, he goes, 
I just want to tell you, Barb, Chelsea and, and, and Hillary and I were all kind of fighting over who got which perfume. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> breathe. I can't breathe. And then he said they read my book. And then I then I really couldn't breathe. And uh, so, you know, not bad for a little girl from a trailer in rural Nova Scotia. Uh, you know, and I really believe if I can do it, anybody can. And, you know, just some hard work and care and love. And, and you know, your network is your net worth. So y- you got to show up. You know, how many times do we do something and we invite someone to go somewhere and they don't show up? Decisions are made by those who show up. Show up. And, you know, people are watching you and they'll see what you're made of. And, 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 and suddenly the doors open and you're dancing with really beautiful human beings from those blessed angels in Rwanda to the Afghan embassy in London to, to I don't know what's next. I mean, it's just very exciting saying yes and showing up. Wow. That is the message to take home, I would say for sure. Me too. Show up. <laughs> Just show up. So so we'll do one more spin of the salon chair and it lands on me. Yay! So Barb, I when I think of I obviously olfactory um relates so much to the other senses like taste. So I'd love to hear about what your go-to favorite food or meal is the the thing that real that you just love and if you could eat it every day for the rest of your life you would oh my gosh (laughs) I love I love all food really I know that's terrible but I love food I work out so I can eat because I love to eat and uh I would have to say I love spice so it's an emergency in my house if there's no hot sauce uh, so there's got to be a lot of hot sauce, a lot of flavorful hot sauce. Uh, and I love Thai. I mean, who doesn't love Thai food? But I, I could eat just about anything. I don't eat meat, uh, but I, I, I've become a connoisseur of making vegan cheese. And I just made a smoked hickory vegan cheese at a cashews. And I, I'm, I'm like that weird neighbor that just has to bring it to you. So I just sent some over to my doctor and I just, I get excited when I discover something. And I mean, you got to baby these things, you know, I got to flip them every day for weeks on end and then smoke them. I've got some vegan blue cheese going on that I actually created the spores, like the little mold wow. to go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cause I didn't want to spend the $60 on the little package. So I took the little piece of sourdough bread and put a piece of real blue cheese on it and put it in a jar and let it get all gross. The family's like, this is so disgusting. I'm like, I'm saving $60. And then the blue cheese is getting the nice blue film over it. I mean, I find that very rewarding, uh, coming up with alternatives to things, making them myself that are healthier. Um, so very crafty, (laughs) very innovative. Well, you know, I like to make things. I do. I love to make things. I mean, we joke that if you, if you were in my house and you left your teacup, it, I would turn it into a candle. Um, <laughs> kind of obsessed. They'll come in. The whole kitchen's just a disaster. I call it my test kitchen. They're like, this is our kitchen. I'm like, no, nope, no more. Fine. So, but it's fun because I feel like if I get to play and, and it's, it's like, just like scent, it's all about notes. And they apply to the scent. You get the top, the middle, the base. The same thing with food. Food's all about flavor. You know, Chef Jose Andres is a good friend of ours. And we talk food all the time and perfume. And he'll say to me, you know, when I'm getting an oil, but is it the Rolls Royce? You know, (laughs) is it the Rolls Royce? And, you know, his beautiful Spanish accent. And, uh, you know, his whole family wears our perfume. They're adorable. I love that. Uh, you That's know, great. The always chefs, go for the so it voice, is. Right? It's all connected. I always it's say. All connected. All the senses connect. Yep. So. 
Well, yeah. on that note, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> we'd, love, good. we'd love to ask you for your final thoughts, Barb, on our conversation. Um, anything that you want to share with our listeners? Oh, I just think uh, what a great thing you're doing, uh, lifting other people with knowledge. And I don't know if there's anything quite like your show out there, really. I've never been invited to something this brilliant in terms of lifting other people with industry knowledge, but in a fun, engaging way. And I I could just hang out with you forever. Like I'm sad our time <laughs> is coming to an end. And you know, when, when this is all over, I'd love to see you both uh, live, take you to Soho House in New York. You live in New York, right? Live's well, good. We'll be there. I'm a member anywhere. there, so we'll come we're anywhere. gonna go to <laughs> We're gonna make our own perfumes. We do it with pipette jars, and you're gonna make your own perfume. Name it, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And we're gonna drink a lot of prosecco. Got to make up for some time here. Sign, sign us up, I would say. And thank that. you so much for your kind words, Barb. It's been wonderful chatting with you and hearing your incredible story. Truly, so. Would you mind telling our listeners how they can connect with you, whether you're on Instagram or yeah. website or whatever you prefer? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we've got at the seven virtues and it's the number seven. So don't spell it out. And we have at Barb Stegeman. So uh, that is another way through Instagram. And uh, then, of course, you can go to either website, which is the same, the seven virtues.com or Barb And, uh, you know, we love to write everybody back. So write us and, and we'd love to share knowledge. People, I didn't get where I am without asking people for help so ask away and uh again i i am so grateful that you brought me on your platform that you've created this and you're really changing the beauty industry in really deep meaningful ways and you should be very proud of yourselves oh thank you so much barb for your kind words we really appreciate your time which we know is precious so thank you for being here thank you to everyone for listening um check back next week for another great guest and Thank you so much, Abby, for being here with us as well. Thanks, April. Great to see you, Barb. Really inspiring. I'm April Franzino, and this is Beauty is Your Business. This has been Beauty is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.